0: Stephanos Tsitsipas is the 2018 ATP Next Gen Champion. Championship point for Sitsipas. Dimonor, second serve. Onto the backhand of Sitsipas, a deep ball. Big off for it from Dimonor. Cross court backhand for Sitsipas. Up the line, Dimonor Penny. And Diminor Sitsipas caps off an incredible 2018 by being the fifth player, 21 and under, on the ATP World Tour. A warm handshake and embrace from both players at the Nets. Stefanos Sitsipas is the 2018 Next Gen Champion. He gets the job done over Alex Dimador. 2-4, 4-1, 4-3, 4-3. He points to everyone in the crowds. He salutes them. An incredible week. An incredible year. Stefanos Sitsipas, the champion in Milan. Welcome to the ATP Tennis Radio Podcast with me, Peter Mercado. Coming up... We'll be looking back on an amazing week at the ATP Next Gen Finals in Milan. We'll also be looking ahead to the NITO ATP World Tour Finals at the O2 in London. It's another jam-packed podcast. It's all coming up here on the ATP Tennis Radio Podcast. We've had a wonderful week in Milan. There have been so many great young players that we've seen take the next step in their careers, and there's plenty to talk about on the podcast. Hello and welcome to wherever you are listening. I'm Peter Mercado alongside Naomi Cavaday. No, it's been fun here in Milan.
1: Hasn't it? It's just been a jam packed week of just such quality tennis, interesting events. We've had firsts going on, things we've never seen before. There was so much talk about the towel rack, which became a towel box, all the different rules. But I think everybody can agree that it's just been a, a resounding success.
0: The champion, as we heard, Stefanos Tsitsipas getting the job done over Alex Dimonor in four sets, 24414343. Four, three. And Andre Rublev taking third place over Joel Munar, 1443244243. Two, four, four, two, four, Let's start off with our champion, Naomi. Stefanos Tsitsipas. A, a little bit of pressure coming in because he was the top seed with Sasha Zverev not appearing because he'll be at the NITO ATP finals in London. But he played it so well. Yeah, there were times where he did struggle occasionally. He was put under pressure, but boy, he got through and he was super impressive in this final.
1: Yeah, he, he really wanted to make a point. I think, coming into this tournament. He wanted to show that he is the most experienced player of the field. He has achieved more and he has been playing so consistently well. I mean, earlier in the year, four top ten players in one event that he took out. Extraordinary stuff from him. And uh, he really was just on a mission from the beginning. He got quite tense against Andrei Rublev in the semi-finals, and he really was getting quite frustrated with himself. But on the whole, been fantastic performances. And the one standout for Sitsapas above everybody else is just how well he played the big moments the tie breaks the tight points he just understood what he needed to do and was consistently delivering quality at those times
0: yeah he went through the tournament undefeated so he gets a a nice cash bonus for doing that as well the second time we've run the next gen finals the second time the champion has been undefeated Chung achieving that last year word on alex dimenor Uh, We've got a great sense over the course of this year, things may be working a little bit ahead of schedule, as we talked about throughout the coverage on ATP Tennis Radio, but there is a a level head on young shoulders, and I think the sky's the limit in terms of what he can produce. There's always that pressure, as with all of these eight players who turned up for the event, to back up what they've done in 2018 and 2019. But you just get the feeling that from Diminors point of view, that he should be able to handle that pressure.
1: Yeah, I mean, just with the way that he has responded in in this sort of situation, he really wanted to win this tournament, that is for sure. He just came up short against a fantastic player in Tsitsipas, and for Diminor, he's just dealt with everything so well, and he's just struck a really perfect balance of being so demanding of himself within matches when we, we were listening in on the, the coaching conversations and he, even when he was two sets up he's saying what's wrong with my serve, how can I get better what, what am I doing wrong and he has such high standards but as soon as he finishes he'll say oh that was fantastic I'm really pleased with my performance and it, so he does understand that balance so he's really enjoying himself and actually one of the sets he played against Sips Pass in the final he just sat down and spoke to his coach and said well that was a lot of fun so it just gives you an insight into where he's at he has incredibly high standards and drive but he's enjoying the ride and and I mean I mean with that sort of combination we're going to expect a big 2019.
0: We've seen so many great players so many great young players across this week outside of those two who's impressed you the most now it could be any sort of criteria based on the way that they play or their attitude on court or anything like that mm-hmm. who else has been the standout that, that really we should be looking at in 2019.
1: Well, it's been great to see Rublev really act producing some of his best tennis again. He's he's had a really tough year with injury. His ranking is down way lower than it should be. He's a much better player than that, but he just hasn't quite had the consistency. So then when he has been on the court competing, he just hasn't been able to pick up those wins, but he was back to his best for me. That semi-final against Sitsipas was phenomenal to watch from both players. And that's why Sitsipas was so nervous in it because Rublev was just such a threat the whole way through and it really, really came down to the wire. So for me, that is really brilliant. And then also looking at Jaume Muna, I thought he was fantastic, really grew through the tournament, I've seen him a little bit through the year, but to see him on a quicker surface, actually adapt his game really well. And again, just loving it. He's been loving his time on the tour. He loves everything about being a tennis player. He just looks like he's the luckiest guy alive all the time. And he's just got such a well-rounded game. He's got net skills as well as the grinding Spanish baseline ability as well. He's, he's got a lot to offer and I'm excited for him next year.
0: And a shout-out for Liam Caruana as well, uh, playing in an Italian wildcard playoff to take the eighth spot in the field and ranked well below the other seven players. But, you know, he, he showed that he has got plenty of potential there. Got off to a slow start to adjust to this sort of level on the tour, but it's just a great learning experience for him. He enjoyed his time out there, and he really he was another player that grew as the tournament went along.
1: Yeah, he gave it all he's got didn't he? he just threw everything at it just absolutely loved everything that was going on and he really earned his place he beat Plenty of players that were were ranked above him in the race to Milan uh, to qualify and to get the wild card into the last spot. Uh, and then when he was here, he really competed. And that has got to be a big boost because he can see that he's not that far away. You look at the forehands and the backhands. Is there much of a difference? Maybe a bit more of a weapon, maybe being a bit more assertive. But really, it all comes down to how you use what you've got. And he has a lot of stuff that he can use. And he is ranked significantly lower than everybody else. But there's no reason why he can't slash that ranking in half and then some.
0: But it was, in the end, the most improved player of the year, taking on the newcomer of the year, and the most improved player got the win. Of course, those two players, Stefano Tsitsipas and Alex Dimonor, awarded or given those awards, the Moet and Shan Shandon. Uh, ATP World Tour Awards, which happen at the end of each season. A wonderful accolade for both of those players. And really, those two have been the standouts in terms of their years. And uh, we're looking forward to more of that. Uh, A word on the rules. Uh, We obviously had the, the same rules from last year. There wasn't too many... Adjustments to those. There were additions. So the towel box was going to be the towel rail. It caused a lot of conjecture on ATP Tennis Radio throughout the week. But the towel box, in terms of how that worked, it took the players a long time to get used to it. Particularly when they would race to the chair for a sit down and go, "Oh, I've actually got to go and get my towel out of the box and then go and sit down again."
1: Just needs a little more tweaking for me. I really like the idea of it. I think it can work well. I think that it would be easier for players if they had a towel each end. Maybe you have a different box for each player or you have a different colour towel for each player. However that works, it would just help them keep it a bit pacier because they, did, they kind of kept going to the changeover and then remembering they had to go and get their towel. And actually, if you just had one each end, you wouldn't have to go get it at all. You just go and use it as you want and then you carry on with the match and it would keep the rhythm a little better. Some of the players had a couple of grumbles, but it was just because it's a habit it's just a really tough habit for them to break all of the other habits you know playing the lets on the serve and whatever else it might be the hawkeye actually there were a couple of people tried to challenge
0: yes (laughs) or wanted to see it on the the screen because they show the close calls on the big screen and yeah, just wanted to see how close they actually was.
1: Yeah, or ask they ask the umpire sometimes, what did you think? Yeah. They're probably going to agree with Hawkeye of course.
0: on that one. <laughs> I'm not, <I'm> not <laughs> going to disagree with that.
1: Uh, but yeah, I mean, on the whole, as I say, just maybe a couple of tweaks for the, for the, the towel rule would be helpful
0: and uh, the four minutes so as the players walked out onto court the four minute uh, warm up I thought that was okay because it got into matches in a prompt and timely manner there weren't too many problems there uh, we didn't get to see the video review system for the sort of subjective calls from the umpire like double bounces or net touches or things like that we didn't see that that wasn't used at all but I guess it's nice that the facility is there and then the rules that are, that we're used to the first to four the no ad scoring no lets all of that sort of stuff I think the players are now get getting used to that idea. And what it did do was it absolutely sped up the play uh, considerably. It was just go, go, go the whole time.
1: It really was. Uh, and and the players weren't really using their 25 seconds all of the time. Occasionally they were. We saw a couple of time violations, some very, very scary ones as well. Um, but, uh, yeah, they... It, They weren't necessarily taking a long time looking at the clock, thinking, oh, I've got 10 seconds left, so I'm going to use it. They were just playing at a pace. The whole thing was just lifted and faster and zippier, and it was snappy, and uh, I really enjoyed that.
0: Yeah, all in all, it's been a great week, and and Milan puts on a, a good show, and it's great to see that these players get the opportunity to expand their profile.
1: Yeah, I and mean, that's that's the perfect thing. For Jame Munar. I think we've seen him through the year, but to see him like this so consistently through the week has been fantastic for all the players, gives them a huge platform. We saw what happened to the class of 2017, so just watch out for these guys.
0: And watch out indeed, because one of the next-gen players who's been consistent has been Sasha Zverev. He hasn't been able to play in the next gen finals because he's been busy preparing for the NITO ATP finals, which is uh, coming up. We'll have a preview of that a little bit later in the podcast. But let's hear from those who've been making Milan and this whole week, our man on the ground who has dominated from start to finish Barry Cowan been busy speaking with those that make this tournament possible from those behind Hawkeye to the DJ who Naomi was particularly impressed with to the tournament director Ross Hutchinson and senior vice president of marketing George Siz, and that's where we're going to start from talking about the success of this year's tournament it is the tournament director Ross Hutchins and the senior vice president of marketing for the ATP world tour George Siz.
2: well it's been such a busy week here in Milan the second next gen finals and two men who've also been incredibly busy but no doubt have enjoyed the success of this event. Ross Hutchins, the Tournament Director, and George Sears, who's the Senior Vice President of Marketing.
3: What a success this tournament has been, George. It's been awesome. It's amazing. It, uh, it blew, us, uh, blew our wildest dream away. You know, we, we thought it was great last year, and this year to come back into this amazing arena with this fantastic crowd. I mean, you look at it, we have been doing pretty much full capacity from first session, uh, fantastic atmosphere the italian fans coming through but really what does it for me the most is you see it on the players right ultimately the stars of the show completely bought into the into the uh format into the tournament into the event and they're playing every every point like it's the last point and and that's what that's what creates everything else you know so it's been it's been fantastic we're very very happy
2: well ross the players always turn up a couple of days before the media always turn up a couple of days before, but that's not certainly the case for you as tournament director.
4: No, we've been in this arena for uh, 12 days now building from scratch, trying to make this event what it is at one of the, the biggest events we have at the ATP World Tour. Um, we're very proud of the end product, we're very prou- proud of, of how it looks on television so the whole world can really witness some of the best players of the future, some of the best players of the current current generation. So we're very impressed with, with how they've acted, we're very impressed with the level of tennis that has gone on right now and we're really, really pleased that um, the guys are, are, are showcasing their true talents and showcasing everything that they have both on and off the court and it really is just a a, a showcase of of their success, of why they're here, why they're the best players in the world and why they are going to be the future stars of our sport and for the whole world to really start witnessing their true talents.
2: When I was here 12 months ago, it was apparent that the players, it was a real edge, Mm. the the rivalry, they they know that they're going to be playing each other Mm. further down the line in, in big events and that seems the case this year.
4: Well, I think that's it. This event's at the end of a long season. They've all had a lot of success. They're all moving up the rankings. They're all very, very excited to be here. And ultimately, they've been part of the same generation growing up as well. So they have that edge, as you say, and they will have that edge going forward week to week it's obviously very competitive they're playing for hugely important ranking points and money and status and growth in the game but here they want to beat each other they have that they have that rivalry they have that knowledge of each other's game which they've been growing up probably since they're 12 years old and now we're here on a big platform where it's the only major tournament in the world and everyone's focus is on themselves and it's quite a unique and, and surreal situation for them which they're warming to and we saw with the boys that played last year how they reacted both here and then following the event and I can guarantee and I'd be very very excited to see how they're going to react this group of players next year following this event so we can expect some big moves as we've seen from the guys that played here last year and I'm predicting a lot of these guys to be in the top 15 when it comes to next year Sitsapas already is but he'll keep moving up because he's world-class and, and, and there's a lot many others here
3: that are also world-class
2: how easy or how difficult George has it been to
3: sell this event to the Italians it actually wasn't wasn't that difficult of a sell because there was a huge amount of interest for this for this event. I mean, it was Chris's idea. Chris Camor, our executive chairman, who came up with this idea a, a while ago. And when we brought it to market, I mean, the interest has been massive. Ross and I have been to a number of side visits, actually. There are a lot of people uh, looking for it, and, and the Italians really s- saw what it could be. And it's really... It was a beautiful marriage of really, I would say, three visions. The first vision was Chris's idea to have the tournament. Then the Italian side, under the leadership of Diego Neppi, who is one of the creative geniuses of the Italian sport, uh, had the vision to really create this unbelievable venue and set it up beautifully and, and construct the La Scala structure and, and all that stuff. So that was the second part of the vision. And was it his
2: idea with the Dromo as well?
3: Uh, yes, absolutely, absolutely, and he believes very firmly that every year that there's got to be a quite noticeable change. So, if you still look at the structure from last year to this year, it, it is it is very very different. And then the third part was was our vision, which we brought from from uh, from London. Uh, of show production, the introduction of players and, and that's probably from my perspective selfish one of the funnest part to see that these, these young stars when they come through for the first time or when they, or for the first match for the first walk on they walk through the, the lights the music and everything the, you just see the excitement you just see them really excited and uh, you know when when Munar walked through that walked through that first time I mean he was just waving the racket. It was, it was fantastic I mean really really great.
2: With the success last year of the players and obviously recently hatch one paris church had the amazing run a couple of weeks ago and he's had a phenomenal year and some of the other chung played brilliantly at the beginning of the year has it been easier to sell those names in 2018 for tournament directors
3: absolutely and because of last year uh, absolutely because and actually I can give you one anecdote we were in one of our tournament meetings and 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 you know chris was talking about the next gen and, and one of the tournament directors said but now we have to we have to pay the guarantees to these guys you know and chris said you're telling me it worked. You're telling me it worked because it, there is a value to these players who are 20 19, 20, 19 years old. There is a real value and that value is in the story because the tournament to me is the cherry on the top. The real a real value from a marketing perspective is the season-long story, which starts for us in Indian Wells every year. In Indian Wells, we do a major press conference. We put all the players in front of 500, 600 people in the in the lawn of the of the of Indian Wells, underneath the big screen, and we introduce the class of 2017, class of 2018. Next year, we will do 2019. But then we have the whole season-long story. We're tracking that race to Milan. And from a marketing perspective, that is what we are all about. We're in a storytelling business. And we can tell the stories of how the season progressed. But then also individual stories of the of the players so we go visit them we spent time last year in the off season with rublev in, in kachanov in, in barcelona training and doing lots of stuff you know we follow these guys around we went to we went to in april to uh uh south korea with hyun chung um you know and, and really trying to uncover the personalities of these players on a much much deeper deeper level and 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 that's what this whole thing is all about is creating storylines creating more stars they in the end they have to win which they are doing. And currently in the, in the top 16 on the ATP NTP rankings, there is five players who last year would have, were next-gen, next who were here in Milan last year. So it is, they're doing it. But where the storytelling helps is that when they actually win a big event, people realise it better. We can tell their backstory. We have uh, more materials to to present them to people and make them care about them as, as people. Another
2: big story, Ross, has been the innovations. Last year, obviously, it was totally new and then this year you've added a couple others so do you see any of those potentially further down the line being on the main
4: tour that's the aim Uh, i think we've got to do continual analysis of what people want to see in our sports we're in a very very strong place with the past generation the current generation Mm -hmm. of players the sport is flying globally commercially tv wise fans want to watch this sport so therefore what do we want to see going forward, what do we predict will happen and is there any adjustments and changes that we need to make to make sure the sport continues to grow. And the aim of this event is that on a major platform we are showcasing what potentially could happen in the sport. So there are probably 15 rules in here which are different to other weeks on the tour. 10 of them are the same as we had last year and we added as you say three this year which are all very very exciting and all legitimate rules which we could add to the game and don't really make the game or, or change the game too drastically. You know, we know we're a conservative sport. We know that we have a huge fan following of, of players and, and fans and media that love the game. But ultimately, we do think we're going to have to adjust. People are consuming media in different ways now. People want to see sport in a different way. We're in the entertainment business and we may have to change. So this is a perfect platform to showcase that, to test that, to get feedback from these new rules. And then we can make a decision. And yes, there will be some of the rules which will come into the sport. Some probably that don't change the ultimate outcome of the match in the intermediate way but um, we think change is necessary in small ways in small doses and ultimately it will actually be for change what can improve the sport so we're excited and we think that's a perfect platform to showcase the world of, of what's possible
3: and and I think it's really great to see that that the world saw what it is in respect to the innovation this event actually won two awards for innovation it won this yahoo sports uh, sports industry awards for innovation the most innovative governing body we won that actually together with the uh, atp atp media and then most recently uh in the end of october in in london at the leaders awards we won again award for the innovation for and beaten the th- clubs like uh, Bayern Munich, uh, Manchester City, Nike, uh, major major brands in the world of sport and and it's great to see that uh, that people see what a what a big and bold step as Ross said we didn't test the innovation on the challenger level that's that's what the conventional wisdom would tell you hey go go test it on the challenger level but that's where ross and chris were very strong from the start and said look if we're gonna test it we gotta put it on a big stage we gotta put it on a major stage and there is not that many stages that that are bigger than that because actually the television um uh audience of this event is on par with some of our 500 level events which is which is a massive statement for uh for for the tournament
0: This is the ATP Tennis Radio podcast and just like we'll have at the NITO ATP Finals in London, there will be alternate positions available. We had one in Milan this year, that spot went to South African Lloyd Harris. Barry Cowan caught up with a 21-year-old this week to find out more about him and how he got into tennis. But first, how he found the new
5: format in practice. It was very interesting. Um, It was was definitely uh Difficult to get used to at the start, but once I got into it, I kind of enjoyed it. A little bit different, a little bit of change. Um, but you know, the first couple of serve when he hit the net clip, uh, I didn't know what what was happening, and uh, yeah. Did you stop? <laughs> I actually made the shot like the three times it happened, but then. Afterwards, I was so out of position because I didn't recover to hit the next ball. So uh, yeah, it was difficult.
2: It's been a fantastic twelve months for you. If we go back to the beginning of the year and the way you've been able to to work your way through up the rankings, what's what's been the key for you in this year?
5: Yeah, um, no, it's been a good start. um, Of you know, from the start of the year, I played pretty well um, straight from the get go, and really just you know putting in hard work from the very start. you know, the extra time off the court, even during match days, um, just working on my game and trying to improve, you know. Um, I feel like that's something I had to do to get, get up to the next level and, uh, you know, I'd really started showing good results once I got into the Challenger Tour, um, got some clutch wins and, and, you know, won some challenges and that was really good for me and it's just kind of been the hard work and really trying to improve and involve in my game. How
2: hard is it for someone coming from South Africa because years and years and years ago South Africans used to churn out players but in recent years not that many so is it harder?
5: Yeah it's definitely difficult Um, you know from different standpoints um, just the location where it is makes it tough Um, especially because it's financially very tough out of South Africa Um, it's not if you don't have a, a rich family or a rich background, it's very difficult to find the funds. It's not very easy to come by big sponsors and all of that. Um, so it's difficult to get out there and get on the tour and you know get going. So I feel so like how have you been able to do it? Yeah, I've been I've been lucky enough to uh, to find some backing. Um, I guess I, I did good enough in the juniors to to find some help, and uh, I've just been you know so lucky um, in that regard and. You know, I was down to about my last tournament or two tournaments, and then if I if I didn't find anything, um, I might have had to stop, go to college, and some by some miracle, um, I I managed to find the way, and uh, I'm very happy I did for sure.
2: Wow, that's a great story. When was that?
5: Yeah, that was uh, in my first uh, first year that I was playing pro. I was 18, um, so obviously I still had the option to to go and go to school, um, and uh, yeah, my my mom said no more she you know maybe like last two tournaments I got some help from uh, my coach and a foundation at the club and then all of a sudden when they told me like okay this is it we're, we're making the final push here, um, the next week at a launch of a foundation they uh, found me a, a big company to uh, to do a management contract with me Skybound and uh, you know what a privilege it was to, to, to meet these people and, and you know I'm just so happy that I could continue my run on the tour and it really turned out well more or less, every player starts
2: the futures and the challenges, and then with the aspiration to get to the main tour. So, so just tell our listeners on ATP Tennis Radio what it's like and how difficult it is in that first, that bottom tier, and then the middle tier, the challenges.
5: Yeah, I feel like it's it's the very difficult part is almost at the at the at the bottom. You know, you don't play in front of people; you play out there on court number 17. Um, you and maybe. Your coach and maybe the other guys' coach, if you're lucky, watching, Um, and that's very difficult, you know, for for especially if you were playing like as a top junior or whatever. It's 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 difficult to go down um, and play in some of those tournaments. Um, But I feel like, you know, as a South African, like I wasn't able to get any wild cards into bigger events and all that, so I really had to win a lot of matches down in the level below and work my way all the way up into the Challenger Tour and eventually working my way through there now. Um, so, it, it's been a long road, a difficult road, but uh, yeah, it's uh, it's definitely just, you know, keep keep on pushing, keep on improving because there's there's a lot of matches to win to get through the system.
3: What's
2: the highlight been this year? Qualifying for the US Open?
5: Yeah, that's definitely been probably the biggest highlight. Um, I mean, going into the year, I was just coming off a back injury. I started the year at about 350 in futures, so... Seeing myself, at, I don't know if I saw myself at US Open by the end of the year already, you know, qualifying for my first Grand Slam. So uh, that was something special for me for sure. And then after that, quali- I qualified for ATP, won my first round against Gale there. Um, that was also a very special highlight for me. Um, he's been someone I've looked up to up to uh, for my entire life.
2: Who else are you, your idols? I think?
5: Definitely Federer. Um, you know, I think as a little kid, you know, just see, watching him and just... The way, the style, the the type of tennis he plays—it's just—it's just very interesting and fun to watch. And it's—he's uh, someone I've really enjoyed watching over my entire life. Uh, also, Stan, the other Swiss—you know, those two are probably my my two favorites up there. Um, yeah. But Lloyd Harris is talking to us on ATP Tennis Radio. So, what
2: sort of player would you describe yourself as? A bit of bit of Federer, bit of Vavrinka. Where? What sort of where do you sit?
5: Uh, yeah, it's. Uh, I like, I like to say um, I like to serve pretty big, um, you know, I'm aggressive from the baseline. I try to move forward where I can. So a little bit of all court, but mainly, you know, aggressive baseliner and pretty big serve. And um, that's kind of the game I'm looking to play. Um, right now I'm looking to, to, to develop that game moving forward even more, um, transitioning into that, because I feel if you hit the big serves, the big forehands, you can get a easy finish, um, so if you if we learn to uh, to do it just a bit better, it can help me a lot um, moving up through the ranks.
2: Yeah, and what do you think you need to get up the ranks, and, and what are you looking for next year? Is it a ranking goal, or is it specific areas of your game?
5: I'm constantly working on areas of my game. I think you're never going to reach a point where you don't have to do that, so uh, obviously it's still a long way to go. Um, still a lot of things I can improve, and, you know, it's just about getting even better at the things i'm doing well and just improving those slight things where slight weaknesses i could say not even weaknesses just just to improve on all of that um all together um you know for me it's a lot about also the physical work the conditioning the mobility getting the mobility there um all those those type of things and just putting it all together next year um and yeah i mean ranking goals obviously there will be but um If I get the game right and put in the hard work that will come naturally.
2: You seem pretty switched on.
5: (laughs) Have to be, right? Yeah.
2: How much has Kevin Anderson been an influence and and almost a case where if Kevin can do it, I can do
5: it? Yeah, um, it's a big, big motivation. I mean, coming from South Africa, um, seeing that another South African has reached top five in the world in this era, you know, um, two major finals in the last two years already and what a couple of seasons he's had. So it definitely inspires me to um, to do the same thing, and you know, also become a, a top-10 player. Um, it's definitely something I'm I'm working hard for and dreaming dreaming for. Um, so yeah, it's been really good, and uh, I think it's been good for the country, for tennis in general. Um, so I think I just I'm just working my ass off to try and get there too. Yeah, I'm not going to put any pressure on you, but you know who the alternate was what, the alternate was last year here. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it hasn't turned out too bad for him uh, in the following year. Um, it's funny, my mom actually made the same comment. How she was like, look at it as a positive because that might be you in a year's time. The off-season, so
2: for you, I guess, starts next week or are you looking to play any more tournaments? Because you're on that cusp, aren't you, for the Australian Open?
5: Uh, I'm actually done for the year. This is my last uh, event hanging around here. Um, then I'll be off for a couple of weeks and then, yeah, doing pre-season throughout december in Uh, south africa i'll probably head over to thailand head do it over in thailand um, with a couple of guys uh, which will be really good and then which will be also very similar conditions to australia which is nice and then head over to Oz for start of the season lloyd thanks very much for talking
2: to us charming guy clearly got your head
5: switched on and good luck next year cheers thanks a lot for having me
0: Just before we look ahead to the NITO ATP finals at the O2 Arena in London, there's just time to hear from Eric Buderak, the USDA Player Liaison Officer, who's been speaking with Barry Cowan about some of the rule changes we saw at the US Open, starting off with the 1-5-1 rule, which meant the players had one minute to get ready, five minutes to warm up, and then get ready to play one minute after that.
6: Here's what Eric had to say on the success of that scheme. The 151 went well. Uh, again, you know, we, we've invested a lot of time and effort in the, the timing side of the sport. Obviously, the 25-second serve clock was a huge, um, you know, lift for us. Uh, the 151 warm-up was really important. Um, you know, especially in American sport, so much is built around timing and kind of executing in a set amount of time. Um, so we were, you know, responding to that as well as, you know, what the sport might need in the as, as it moves forward into this kind of new modern landscape, right? Yeah,
2: because I was going to ask you about that, because it's sort of a bit of a campaign that you know, people's, younger people's attention span. They can't focus for five sets. Is, is that something that the U.S. Open are aware of and potentially they
6: might change? Um, definitely something we're aware of. I mean, I think a, a change from, say, three out of five to two out of three is a pretty drastic change, not one that I think we're you know, willing to entertain right now. But you know, down the road, who knows, right? It's, um, I mean, we're aware of what, you know, how young people consume content, how long they, they stick with a certain event on a channel. People are turning the channel quicker these days. So, you know, we need to be prepared to, to kind of adjust for that and, and, and we're, you know, we we always want to be pushing the bar forward as far as the Grand Slams go as to, you know, what is next. And, you know, that's honestly the number one reason I'm here is to, to kind of see what the ATP is trying, um, see what players are liking, what they're not liking, and then how we can react as well at the U.S. Open.
2: In terms of the the interesting rules, uh, do you personally have an opinion on some that you like and maybe some that, that you think, no, definitely won't happen?
6: it's pretty I don't like to say definitely no too quickly Um, I do think that you know the scoring format is is really interesting again it's probably too complicated to try to throw a new scoring format at fans right now Um, but yeah watching the tennis and and seeing it have every point count and seeing it get to a tiebreaker so quickly that's really interesting Um, you know I love I think the, the Hawkeye live is, is, is really makes that court look clean and sleek. And um, I understand that's a, you know, a big change to not have all the umpires on the court, but optically sitting in the stadium, I mean, this court is, is as visually appealing as any court I've ever seen in my life. And, and that, is, that, is, that was really, really stood out to me.
2: We've like got Eric Buterak speaking to us on ATP Tennis Radio, former player now working for the USTA as player liaison. One other rule that I think is very
6: relevant to the US Open is crowd movement. So crowd movement is definitely something that we're moving forward on. I mean, in Arthur Ashe Stadium right now, we do have free crowd movement on the upper level. Um, obviously, in the lower level, we still restrict it. But I think it's something we would love to move forward with in the near future. Uh, you know, personally, I think you know, having played, having crowd movement on the sides of the court is far less disruptive than than movement in, you know behind the server. So I would think I think a next step could be that. Whether or not we'll get there in 2019 or not. Uh, remains to be seen. Um, You know, sitting in an arena like this where all the lights are focused on the court and the crowd is extremely dark, and i played in tournaments like this, and for for tournaments like this, you actually can have free crowd movement because the players really can't see the crowd at all. Uh, When it comes to an outdoor event where it's bright and sunny, it, it is definitely, you're more aware of the crowd, but that doesn't mean that you know we shouldn't be looking that because honestly the, you know the reason we you know players make money and i was one of them for a long time is because fans are buying a ticket so you want them to have the best experience possible and i've been that you know fan that stands in a you know in a kind of what do you call it, in a hallway for three games waiting for a changeover to get out to get to your seat and then the fans didn't get through fast enough and you have to wait another changeover, and that's not a good experience for a fan so um, I think it's a combination of an education of the players of you know how much this will enhance the kind of the fan experience as well as once we start changing things players get used to it very quickly yeah. they don't want to change anything but once we do they can adapt so you know some th- things like that will be uh, exciting to see where they go
2: well being British uh, Wimbledon's definitely benefited in recent years from the run of Murray a couple of years ago the run of Joe Conta so it's important for Americans to benefit from their, their own doing well. And You've got two Americans here, so they've got a promising future as have a lot of young American male players
6: They do you know We've had a, a huge group that we've been talking about for a long time Obviously the two that are here Francis Tifo and Taylor Fritz uh, have the ones that separated themselves just a little bit But you know, there's also Jared Donaldson and Riley Opelka, you know, Tommy Paul. They just won a challenger last week There's a lot of guys from that class that I think you know as Americans unfortunately unless you get someone like into that top five range. We've been so spoiled for so many years. Whether it's Sampras, Agassiz, you know, McEnroe, Connors, we just we're used to number ones in the world, that when you have a player ranked forty, they just don't quite jump on board yet. But I mean someone like Francis with with his personality and his story, and and knowing him personally, like if someone like him could get into say the top ten or top five, I think it would just say you know he could he could explode as his own brand, but it would help tennis so much in our country. So I think we're all, we're all pulling for for Francis. This is the ATP
0: Tennis Radio podcast. And remember, you can hear more interviews from across the tour via our ATP Tennis Radio exclusives channel, which you can find via the TuneIn app. Well, now we get ready for the final event on the ATP calendar, the Nito ATP Finals at London's O2 Arena. It's going to be another fantastic week of action. Yes, there's no Rafael Nadal. Yes, there's no Juan Martin Del Potro. But there is still so much to look forward to. Naomi, it's going to to be really hard to sort of condense it down into one particular thing, but maybe just give us a sense of what you're looking forward to heading into the O2.
1: Well, really, the theme is that it's all kind of about Novak Djokovic. And that's no disrespect to anybody else in the draw, particularly Roger Federer, because there are plenty of people there who can beat him. But he has just been in sensational form, obliterating form of everybody else. He virtually has not lost for quite a long time. He he was ranked outside 20 at the beginning of the year. Now he's guaranteed to finish at number one. So for me, it's all about the Novak Djokovic watch and try and get a few hints as to what we're going to see from him in 2019, as scary as that may be. If it's a new and improved Novak Djokovic for 2019, then I don't think the rest of the field are going to turn up, to be honest, because he's just so utterly dominant.
0: Well, let me just maybe frame it this way. So the the singles group, Guga Curtin. Good to see Guga getting his name. The uh, French Open champion, Guga Curtin there. Uh, Novak Djokovic, Sasha Zverev, Maran Cilic and John Isner in that group. Can you see any of those three players troubling Djokovic?
1: Absolutely. Big hitters, big servers. I mean, really, you've got to think, for John Isner, it's his first time in the event. I'm not sure how much belief he will hold necessarily in the crucial moments because this is a it's a unique event, it's a totally different vibe when you're playing in a group situation also for Marin Cilic, he's struggled at this tournament really surprisingly so, it's a great surface, it's a great time of year for him but he has really struggled to get wins on the board against the big players so I have question marks over those two but absolutely on their day they 100% could take out Djokovic Zverev is the big one to watch
0: and there. that's the thing, every round robber match is just like a final that's how you have to treat it. In the other group, group Leighton Hewitt, we've got Roger Federer, Kevin Anderson, Dominic Thiem and Kay Nishikori. It'll be Federer first up against Nishikori, but wow. Uh, Federer, we saw at uh, the Rolex Paris Masters produce some sparkling form, like the Federer that we've come to know and love, the one that has won so many Grand Slam titles. But you look at that group and that is a really interesting group. You'd have to say notionally that Federer would have to be the favourite, but Kevin Anderson comes in in sparkling form. Dominic Thiem can show that he can get it done on a hard court. And Kaney Ishikori had a really consistent back end of the season.
1: Well, that's what I really love about the whole tournament is that everybody's in form. Everybody's winning matches. But you've got to say that that group looks pretty good for Roger Federer because there aren't huge hitters in there. Yes, Kevin Anderson has an extraordinarily dangerous serve, that's for sure. And he picked up a big win against him at Wimbledon earlier in the year. However, Feder is not going to be overwhelmed by any of those players. He's going to be able to get into the match. So even if he's not quite sharp, as we have seen from him through the year, he's been a bit patchy with his sharpness. He, he has a bit of time, he has a bit of breathing room. If he was chucked in the other group with Zverev, Chilic and Isna, he wouldn't have any breathing room at all. He would just have to play at his best all the time. So he does just have a little bit of give. But, I mean, if he's off more than a fraction, then he's going to be in trouble because they're all just phenomenal players. And what has Nishikori done since he's come back this year? It's been exceptional.
0: Quick word on the doubles as well because uh, group Knowles and Nesta will seize the number one doubles team in the world. They're going to finish number one, uh, Marek and Pavic. We've got Cubot and Mello, the three seeds, the five seeds, Mike Bryan and Jack Sock, and the eight seeds, Hubert and Mahou. And in the doubles group, Lodra Santoro, we've got uh, the second seeds, Cabal and Farah. We've got Murray and Suarez. We've got Clarsen and Venus, the six seeds, and the seven seeds, Mektic and Paya. This is really interesting because there is such a high level when we get to the doubles and if you are planning on heading to the O2, make sure you get there for the doubles action because to see it right at the very pointy end, the very best in the world, is something amazing to watch
1: it is so entertaining and this for me this is the strongest field we have had for years it is unbelievable those pairs because they've all played incredibly well through the year winning titles all over the place but also all of those pairs are so well established they've played with each other for such a long time with the one exception of Mike Bryan and Jack Sog who have arguably been the best pair of the year they didn't play a full year together because Mike Bryan was playing with Bob Bryan but it's I mean if They're the one pair that hasn't played with each other for, for such a long time. So the partnerships are so set in stone. They're so in sync. And it's been highly competitive. You've got to look at some of the pairs that didn't make it just to figure out how strong it is. Continent and Piers not making it. Roger and Takao not making it. Just, just outside. And uh, and that just shows you what these teams have been producers producing.
0: Can I maybe ask you for a winner? Oh. No? Yes. Yes? Yes. Go. Sock and Bryant. All right, and singles? Djokovic. Okay, speaking of Novak Djokovic, the 2018 ATP World Tour Awards presented by Moet and Shandon have been announced and the World number one of course and the comeback player of the year deservedly so going to Novak Djokovic for his amazing comeback this season the number one doubles team in the world Marek and Pavic the most improved player of the year voted on by the ATP players went to Stefanos Tsitsipas the newcomer of the year also voted on by the ATP players Alex Dimonor for the Australians' rise from outside the top 200 to being uh, well up there, number 31 in the world. The Stefan Edberg Sportsmanship Award voted on by the ATP players went to Rafael Nadal, recognising the Spaniard for his fair play, professionalism and integrity on and off the court. He also received the honour in 2010. The Arthur Ashe Humanitarian Award awarded by the ATP went to Tommy Robredo. To honour the memory of his close friend, the Spaniard launched his foundation and an international wheelchair tennis tournament. In 2009, Robredos Foundation organises activities which encourages sports training for disabled people, especially wheelchair tennis. It also creates awareness of the importance of sport as being beneficial to mental and physical health. At the same time, it's a stimulant to personal growth and well-being. The ATP Coach of the Year voted on by the coaches goes to Marian Vider, the coach of Novak Djokovic. The ATP World Tour.com fans' favourite, presented by Moet and Shandon, for singles went to Roger Federer, and in doubles went to Mike Bryan and Jack Sock. The wrong. Ron Bookman Media Excellence Award, awarded by the ATP, goes to BBC broadcaster Sue Barker. The Masters 1000 Tournament of the Year, voted on by the players, goes to the BNP Paribas Open in Indian Wells. The 500 Tournament of the Year goes to the Fever Tree Championships at the Queen's Club. And the uh, 250 Tournament of the Year goes to the Stockholm Open in Stockholm. Some worthy winners there. I mean, it's a big field, so many to choose from. And well, well done to all the winners.
1: Yeah, not surprising that the team of Novak Djokovic tended to uh, clean up a little bit. Uh, they obviously have had such a fantastic year, but brilliant tournaments. It's just been, I mean, what a tour we've had through the year. It's not over yet. That's it. We've got, we've got eight more days, but it's, it's not over yet. Can't wait for it to end, but only in a good way, because then we're closer to 2019.
0: Oh, we're looking forward to We have one more big week to come. Thank you, Naomi. Thank you, Peter. For joining us on the podcast. And make sure you join us next week for the end of season review following the culmination of the Nito ATP finals, which, of course, you can hear live all week, singles and doubles, on ATP Tennis Radio. In the meantime, make sure you check out our Twitter feed at ATP Tennis Radio. We'll be bringing you plenty of exclusive interview content every week. And if you have time, why not leave us a review of this podcast on iTunes to help us climb those rankings? We're very much looking forward to the Nito. ATP finals and your company right throughout the week here on ATP Tennis Radio but for now on behalf of Naomi Cavite this is Peter Mercado saying farewell from the ATP Tennis Radio podcast.